little closer to the earth and using our bodies, our minds, and our very DNA for what they evolved to do to help us thrive without the need for modern technology and industry. If that sounds appealing to you, I hope you'll join me for the Fall 2020 Buckskin Revolution Online Skills Gathering, an eight-week learning experience designed to work within any schedule. Hello, folks. Uh, this is DJ Aisha with Sounds from the Street, um, streaming live at mutinyradio.fm. I'm also figuring out the best setup for Instagram. It's still a work in progress. I've done a couple sessions so far. It's just a matter of getting the right angle. Uh, can't do much about the lighting, but um, everything seems to be going well so far. Hope you guys are doing well on this Saturday evening here on the West Coast. It's about 6 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time. Uh, my guest uh, in um, a little bit is going to be Cillian The Voice. Uh, whoop whoop. Uh, excited to have her. Um, and we're going to talk about uh, what she's been up to during the pandemic. But in the meantime, um, I'm just going to fill you in on what's been going on. It's been a couple weeks uh, since I've been at the station. Uh, the weather has changed. The, uh, the time change has happened. Daylight savings time. So it feels like a little bit different uh, than it was a couple weeks ago. But um, we'll see how it goes. Uh, so let's see in terms of music news for you guys. At TheEnemy.com. Uh, for instance, the Electronic Ladyland and why it's vital. We celebrate the female pioneers of synth. Um, that might be something you've been pondering <laughs> during the pandemic. Um, but a new exhibition sheds light on the overlooked history behind electronic music. Uh, journalist L. Hunt speaks to pioneer Susan uh, Ciani and seen newcomers such as Ila Minus. With electronic music, a quiet but important revolution is taking hold. Decades on from the birth of the synthesizer and dance music, a whole movement of forgotten artists, all of them women, many of them working in research, advertising, and commercial sound design are finally being given the recognition they deserve. Um, in the late 1950s, electronic sound was an entirely new concept, and many people even feared it. <laughs> Imagine that. Employees at the BBC Radiophonic Workshop, the broadcaster's experimental sound effects unit, were initially only allowed to work there for a maximum of three months in case they became unwell. Uh, composer Delia Derbyshire, who arrived after Decca Records, informed her they didn't employ women in their studios, was the first break to this rule. It wasn't until years after Derbyshire's death in 2001 that her contemporaries began to discover her. Suzanne Ciani, a forerunner in electronic music, tells Enemy, I've been in electronic music since the 60s, and yet I didn't know about Delia Derbyshire until much later. When Ciani's 1975 concerts were released on record in 2016, record label Finders Keepers dubbed her the Delia Derbyshire of the Atari generation, which I'm assuming was in the 80s, which led to the eventual discovery. Now 74 and speaking from her coastal home <laughs> in Bolinas, California, Ciani came under the early influence of the synthesizer inventor Don Bukla, while studying traditional composition at Berkeley at the University of California. 
Her love affair with the Bukula 200 modular synth, a hefty silver dashboard strone with voltage dials and multicolored wires, was immediate and all-consuming. There's a spiral Netflix film now called My Octopus Teacher, Siani Laughs, referencing the strangely touching 2020 documentary about a man who develops an intense friendship with a wild common octopus. I understand it. He's in love with the octopus. It captured him. Yes, I was in love with this machine. Later, Siani introduced a perplexed David Letterman to the cutting-edge synth live on television, devised Coca-Cola's effervescent pop and pour sound effect, we all know that, scored intergalactic jingles for games, console, Atari, and released a series of stunningly sensual electronic records, including her ethereal 1982 debut, Seven Waves. Upon learning about Della Derbyshire, who produced Doctor Who's whooshing theme tune, among many other achievements, Siani was intrigued to find out more. In addition to this, Siani performed her piece Improvisation on Four Sequences at BBC Proms two years ago, sharing a bill with the first ever airing of previously lost work by the late composer and musician Daphne Oram, who co-founded the BBC Radiophonic Workshop. I was I was interviewed before the concert, and they asked me, tell us, what do you think of Daphne Oram? I had nothing to say. I didn't know anything about her. When they performed her piece, Still Points, it was a premiere of a piece she had written in 1949. I cried. Wow, 1949. There were some really, side note, not part of the story, uh, there were some really interesting women during that time, but it, it feels like just now we're kind of discovering and finding out more and reading about how great women were throughout time. But anyways, that's my side note. She adds poignantly, I felt so cheated that I didn't have these women in my personal history. Since he says that when she was first working with synthesizers, her pursuit of sonic innovation felt like a hopeless, lonely thing and an endeavor that few understood. The producer adds, until now, referencing the more recent celebration of women, mm -hmm, working in the field of electronic music. Now it's really wonderful. It's only in the past few years that the history of electronic music has begun to be revised, unearthing the previously overlooked contributions of countless women who are working with few resources and in relative isolation. The Autumn Delia Derbyshire, the myths and legendary tapes aired at the London Film Festival. The part dramatization, part documentary about the eccentric artist's life and undersuing innovations was soundtracked by British performance artist and musician Cozy Fanny Tutti. The film delves beyond Derbyshire's best-known achievements and also examines her psychedelic sound art. Excuse me. An increasing number of festivals and events such as the Pioneers of Sound Prom event Siani played in 2018 have also appeared honoring these early pioneers' experimentation. The Design Museum's current exhibition, Electronic, is also endeavoring to change the narrative, shining a spotlight on Clara Rockmore, who played and helped to refine the theremin, uh, one of the earliest electronic instruments in the 1920s. Marie-Antoinette Asenant de Brogelier, who made a very early form of electronic music in 1934 on a slightly terrifying-looking device called the Croix Sonore, also gets a look in, and there's an entire segment on Daphne Oram. I'm really going to have to check this out.
and uh, that's a really cool photo. You can find out more about this article if you're interested. Uh, continue. Uh, Marla McClintock is a curator of the Design Museum. From the start, she and her team knew that they wanted to present a diverse history of dance music with the show. There have been brilliant discussions in electronic music about diversification, not just with regard to gender, but also about decolonizing the music scene. She explains that the scene genesis is very much in cities like Detroit and Chicago and was led by black, Latinx, and queer communities. For a long time, that narrative was concealed, but different groups and individuals have worked hard to expose a lack of diversity in the mainstream of electronic music and to highlight an underground scene and very pioneering element of the industry that does involve more diverse individuals. McClintock adds, people are tired of white male master narratives that are often so inherent. I think a lot of work has been happening over the past few years to revise those canons of electronic music and to completely break down what a canon even is. Pioneers like Daphne Oram and Suzanne Ciani really did break through and access the industry for the first time as a woman. It really paves the way for future generations. In tracking down archived material for the exhibition, McClintock worked closely with Goldsmiths, University of London, who now look after all the important recordings, collected letters, and other items from the Daphne Oram collection. Thanks to their preserving of the material, McClintock's job was relatively easy, but she feels sure that there are countless other acknowledged figures out there whose work isn't so well documented. There's a lot more to be done, but that change is happening, and we're here for it. The current renaissance around overlooked women in electronic music is heavily Eurocentric, as things stand, and primarily dominated by white women. South American innovators like Hilda Dionda, Nellie Moretto, and black women such as Sharon White, who helped to shape the disco scene in the in 70s New York, are not mentioned nearly as frequently. And I can confirm that because some of them I haven't heard of myself. So I'm actually learning a lot from this article that is continuing. <laughs> but this is good, people. This is good because normally the short articles are absolutely meaningless. So again, uh, continuing. Speaking from the Colombian capital of Bogota, the new-gen electronic musician Ila Minas admits that she felt bittersweet when she first discovered the work of artists such as Suzanne Ciani and Wendy Carlos, an American musician and composer who helped to develop the Moog synthesizer mm. and popularized the instrument with her album Switched on Bach <laughs> in 1962. I felt cheated from every point of view. Elamina says, if I had been exposed to these female musicians and their early synth work, there's so much beauty and they approach electronic music in such a different way. I felt like if I had been exposed to it earlier, I would have done more, but I'm very happy they're getting the spotlight they deserve. Similarly, contemporary techno pop hero and recent enemy cover star Kelly Lee Owens celebrates another synth queen, as she puts it, New Order synth player Jillian Gilbert. Uh, women are often underrated or their part is completely dismissed, Owens told us. You can't be what you can't see. So to have a woman be a part of something like this and own her part was really inspiring. Ila Minas, who released her debut album, Acts of Rebellion, in October, makes music exclusively using hardware. In other words, every sound is created on a physical analog synth rather than computer software. 
I want to use my laptop for checking emails, she laughs. The musician previously worked as a synthesizer assembler for synth brand Critter and Gut Gutari and helped to design one of their machines, the organelle, and so, and so knows many of her instruments inside out. Perhaps as a result, her music is often described as an electronic form of DIY punk, and looking back at the work of earlier pioneers who made sonic magic in cramped and badly underfunded studios. <laughs> Ilamina sees a similar spirit. Starting out, she says, her setup was very dirty, <laughs> using old cheap machines off eBay that were non-functional. I would buy them, tear them apart, fix them, and make them work. I would have to tape them together. My room as a student was tiny and full of wires and old broken parts. Um, I can definitely see a connection with her and uh, Mutiny Radio, if she ever wants to come over here. Um, similarly, Suzanne Ciani recounts a DIY experience back when she began exploring electronic music. In order to raise enough money to buy her own bukla, she worked at the synthesizer company soldiering and assembling them. In the meantime, she would hole up at the San Francisco Tape Music Center. Okay which had been co-founded by another early experimenter, Pauline Oliveros, in 1960. The center housed a bukla that Siani could rent by the hour, and it all comes full circle, right? Oh my god, she recounts, I lived there. Technically, you were supposed to pay $5 an hour, but there was nobody there. I could stay all night. We were not allowed to do commercial work, but you know, she adds, I was in the process of trying to earn the money to buy my first bukla, and I did my very first commercials there. I kept the script hidden in the drawer. In order to release music, Siani set up her own label and financed Seven Waves herself. My first album I spent a fortune on, she says. I found receipts for 50 grand. Oh my god. In my storage space the other day, I also found a letter from a radio station that said, people didn't have an ear for this. There were no receptors. There was always the feeling of not being understood, not being heard. Maybe that's changing today. Uh, her Bukla 200, meanwhile, would frequently break. I remember one concert from the Bukla concerts in 1975 at the weekly public concert free music store in New York. The power supply melted. <laughs> so I called a Bukla in California. I say, Don, what can I do? He told me there was one other person in New York with a bukla. Call him. He was an odd guy, very religious, and he brought the power supply over. I had so many disasters that I developed an outlook that said, the bigger the disaster, the better the outcome. Across the Atlantic, it was a similarly chaotic picture at the BBC Radiophonic Workshop, where composers Daphne Oram, Delia Derbshire, uh, Madalena Fagandini, Glynis Jones and Elizabeth Parker all worked at some point in their careers. Their equipment consisted of old tape recorders, homemade instruments, and various test oscillators nabbed from other departments, and that was more or less it. Uh, Delia Derbyshire produced the Doctor Who theme tune by splicing and cutting up analog tape. Now I really have to watch the show because it's been on my list forever. Um, but this story gets more interesting as, as we continue. The likes of Kraftwerk and producers such as Giorgio Moroder frequently get credit for yanking disco into a brutal and industrial new era. 
utilizing since then a relatively new innovation for mechanical thrust but when Suzanne Siani first moved to New York several years before Donna Summer's I Feel Love or Kraftwerk's Trans Europe Express album existed few people understood what she was trying to do when I got to New York, there were no guys doing what I did, she says. When I started making my early recordings, I was working in New York City with all the studios and top people. This, this was a new language and a new way of hearing. And so the successful male engineers were interested. People say, how do you get ahead in a male-dominated world, she adds. I always say to women, if you want to be successful, find a place where there isn't anybody else. I think for women, electronic music in particular, gave us independence. I studied classical composition, conducting, the whole thing. And it was a man's world, and still is today. Really annoying as it is, but in electronic music, you could do the whole thing yourself. That's what attracted women. This is a story of intimacy in a way with these machines. Wow. Um, Siani explains, I think of electronic music in very feminine terms. A lot of my inspiration is the sea and the rhythm of the ocean. That's a rhythm that is slow and with sense those long sustained sounds are possible. I see electronic music as flowing, sexually speaking. If you look at dynamics, men have this pounding rhythm and then boom, women have this very slow build and release. The wave to me symbolizes that form, emotion, and energy system. Illuminus agrees. I think it's beautiful that Suzanne Siani says that. Synthesizers are so powerful and the frequency range is infinite. So if you want to be seen as strong and powerful, you'll use the spectrum of lower frequencies. It's so shallow compared to the interesting and beautiful layers you can accomplish if you're not only drawn to power and bass. God, I wish that was true for everything else, right? <laughs> we can think of a few topics that would be good for. Uh, relatively speaking, electronic music is still in its infancy. There are still, Siani says, many misconceptions around the full potential of the genre. People think it's about making crazy sounds, uh, weird sounds, new sounds, whatever. Um, I always say it's not about the sound, it's about the way that the sound moves. I'm a little annoyed when people talk about the strange sounds it can make. Who cares? Uh, pondering new developments on the horizon and previously undiscovered voices still to be unearthed. Siani concludes, I hope I'm alive to see some of it. I've been through so many interactions in this world, and I'm so grateful to be able to witness the renaissance of interest in the field I care so much about. Um, so I guess um, if you happen to be in London, if you're lucky enough to be there, um, there is an exhibition, electronic, uh, running currently at the Design Museum in London until February 14th of next year. So that's coming right up, guys and girls, uh, before we know it. But um, yeah, I actually really appreciate that article because... Um, you know, kind of draws on a few different things that have been happening, but um, we haven't yet talked about um, congratulations to uh, President-elect Joe Biden and uh, pre uh, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. Um, that's why I wasn't here last week, because I was trying to get drunk as a skunk on Moscato. Don't try it, because it doesn't work, um, even if you drink the entire bottle. 
Um, but that's how I chose to celebrate since um, I didn't think it was such a great idea to go into crowds, even though I have been in crowds um, since um, all of this started back in March. But slowly but surely was kind of going back to normal up until this week. Um, lockdowns might be happening again. Um, they are ha currently happening in um, other parts of the world, um, in Europe, in uh, Chicago, and um, some other places. I believe New York is also considering doing another lockdown. So get your treadmills, get all your fresh air that you can, run all of your errands. Um, I actually finally caved in and uh, bought a treadmill, um, but now I have to assemble it. So that's going to be something I can put on Instagram. You guys might uh, have some tips there. Um, currently streaming, uh, DJ Aisha. So um, thanks to people who are actually watching and joining in. If you had any thoughts on um, that article, there's always interesting articles. Um, I've been reading news stories or music news stories, I guess you could say, for about 10 years. And more often than not, they're they're pretty darn uh, amazing when it comes to news stories. Um, occasionally I look at uh, sites like Pitchfork and Consequence of Sound. Um, as you might know, we, we kind of pick and choose from some of those different sites, but um, you never know what's going to happen next, right? Here's another one that I wanted to... Um, a lot of these stories are, are things that I've thought about recently or in the past couple months, and I'm like, I wonder what's going on with that? What is, what is actually happening? So as you might already know, uh, The Matrix 4 was being shot here in San Francisco. And the reason how I knew that was because um, online they were talking about um, something to do with ice, ice cream team event. Yeah. So actually, here's a story about just about just that, what's going on with um, the film itself, uh, because they did film, um, you know, segments of it in um, the financial district here in San Francisco. And I think simultaneously they were filming Venom too. So I think I saw a scene from Matrix 4, but I'm not sure as I was walking my chiropractor and my gym or in the financial district. So sometimes I kind of peruse the area, see what's going on. But anyways, back to the news story. Matrix 4 cast reportedly disguised rap party as film shoot to bypass COVID-19 rules. Okay. Reports say producers Lana and Lily Wachowski hosted the party. Codenamed Ice Cream Team event. Yes. Um, but that was part of the, the casting call. I remember that as well. Uh, let's see. The cast and crew of The Matrix 4 held a rap party in Berlin. Okay. Disguised as a film shoot to get around German COVID-19 laws. Awesome. The film currently set for April 2022. It just seems so far away, right, right guys and girls? Uh, April 2022 release wrapped up filming at the Babelsberg Studios just outside Berlin this week. A German newspaper, Bild, reports that producers Lana and Lily Wachowski organized a party at the studios on Wednesday, November 11th, disguised as a film shoot codenamed Ice Cream Team Event. Of course. The report says approximately 200 people attended the event. Uh, the party, including star Keanu Reeves, with guests invited as film extras. Coronavirus rules in Berlin currently allow for 50 capacity events, with any events exceeding this having to be registered in advance along with a submission of a hygiene concept. 
that has to be approved by the authorities. The report says that an authorized film shoot for Matrix 4 uh, would be allowed to take place under these rules. Hmm. Babelsberg Studios spokesperson Bianca Mark oh God Markarewicz and the pr the producers for the film told the studios that they were shooting extra footage for a quote unquote celebration scene which they largely filmed earlier this summer. The hygiene regulations were complied with, she added. The production team consciously put this shoot with its many participants right at the end of the filming. However, an attendee at the party told Bill that the event seemed more like a party with nobody, nobody actually filming the events. Uh, no directorial instructions were given. There was no clapperboard and no one was filming. The attendee said the mood was exuberant. Everyone was given a Corona PCR test in advance. Okay. Everyone needed to come wearing a mask, but many people didn't wear them as the party wore on. And I know that a lot of us are going through COVID uh, fatigue right now. So we can probably relate to that to a certain extent. Um, a spokesperson for the city of Berlin also told The Guardian that no event was announced to us adding there was ongoing discussions between the health authority and the studios on the topic of infection protection during filming. In a recent interview, the Matrix 4 star Jessica Henwick said she believes the new film will change the industry. Yes. Lana is doing some really interesting things on a technical level in the same way that, you know, she created a style back then, Henwick said. I think she's going to change the industry again with this film. There's some camera rigs that I've never seen before that we're using. That's probably all I can say for that. The new teaser comes after Keanu Reeves described the film as an inspiring love story. Because we all need that right now. Uh, the Matrix 4 is currently set for release in April 2022, having faced delays in production during the coronavirus crisis. Prior to the shutdown, Reeves was spotted filming as Neo in San Francisco's Chinatown, right around the corner get all the details on everything we know so far and that's really hilarious that they kind of read my mind having been, I guess they've been doing a lot of reporting recently because I was actually thinking like what happened with that like it just seemed as though you know COVID in particular halted a lot of you know films and and TV shows that were you know, on track to take place, right? Like um, the Batman, for instance, um, that was supposed to come out next year, but they're um, in the process of still filming because um, uh, Robert Pattinson was, uh, he was, uh, he, co he contracted COVID or tested positive for COVID and just a lot of other projects, you know, just kind of pushed off into the universe. So I'm actually kind of glad that they, figured out a way whether it was legal or illegal <laughs> in order to um kind of finish this movie because there was something about watching some of the snippets online about this film that made me think this is going to be whenever this movie comes out it's going to be just absolutely incredible um yeah, because I think it was one of those films where I was like, oh, yeah, it came out in the 90s and then had a couple, you know, sequels after that that were relatively OK. And some people might want to hurt me because I said that. But I always liked the first film. And um, um, it's just exciting because I think it was it was such a great uh, trilogy, I guess you could say. 
that you thought, oh, okay, like that's kind of the end of it. But the fact that they're continuing on is um, just really exciting. And yeah, um, I'm excited to that I had the chance to read you two relatively newsworthy and important stories about women and electronic music, the history of women and electronic electronica. I guess you could say to a certain extent, wish I could go to that exhibition. Um, I know they have a lot of exhibitions on online. Um, haven't had a chance to look at any of those. Um, yeah, so I guess some other things that have been happening um, since the last time I had a chance to chat with you guys. Of course, the election happened. Um, that was last week, which is why I kind of, you know, was, was tuned into that. It was kind of, you know, I'm sure a lot of us were kind of biting our nails and tapping our toes um, waiting for an answer. Um, so now it's just kind of a wait and see approach, right? See how, you know, see how things play out. Um, it's kind of a continuing story. Um, Trump kind of uh, played is playing it that way um and I just hope that things things go well you know um I'm just trying to be positive and um I had a really good feeling uh last week but um you know it's it's kind of an unknown right we don't really know what's gonna happen um my plan or my tentative plan before the election was to go to DC um kind of to actually just learn more about you know, the history, because um, I've never been to Washington, D.C. I'm sure a lot of people haven't. Maybe some people never want to go because of everything that's happening, but I'm actually, I'm just one of those people open to trying new things, learning new things. Um, so, yeah, my plan was to go kind of, you know, I don't know, I guess I wouldn't be able to really go, go into any of the museums, depending on how that goes. Um, and then the inauguration like it, it it sounds like it's it's on track but again like who actually <laughs> knows like what's gonna happen in a few weeks it's it's just weird living life up until a few months ago where you're kind of planning things out right like I was gonna go to Denver for the first time um you know I just it's just a bummer I I really looked forward to this year I felt like I was gonna have um you know, a, a, a more chances to, to travel, to kind of explore more, which I'm kind of pushing off till 2021, obviously. Um, but I don't know about you guys, but I really struggled, um, I think from March to June, it was kind of a struggle for me. And I think part of it was I didn't, I didn't come here. I didn't come to the station. Um, I didn't, you know, do my normal kind of routine. Um, things kind of went off track for me to be honest but then um, I think going to Arizona for three months uh, I have family out there so I think that was a way for me to kind of think about what I should be doing so as soon as I got back I kind of you know made my way here to the studio again and there seems to just be a lot of de there still seems to be demand like there's been times without the pandemic where I was like where are people like why wouldn't they want to take advantage of something great like Mutiny Radio? Um, you know, we're, we're coming up on our 10-year anniversary here in the Mission. Um, we used to be called PCR Collective. Uh, we used to be Pirate Cat Radio not that long ago. And it's just amazing that, you know, pa because of Pam Benjamin um, and because of, you know, mostly Pam Benjamin. So uh, hats off to her. 
um, being able to keep things going here at Mutiny. Um, so if you guys uh, like uh, what you're hearing, if you can please go to mutinyradio.fm and uh, donate a couple dollars or whatever you can just to help us keep free speech alive. Because I can say from my own experience, I'm kind of amazed actually that we're that we're still here. But at the same time, uh, you know, it just goes to show you like what determination can do and obviously uh getting our our funding (laughs) um money does a lot of things as much as i don't like to say it it's it's really true it kind of keeps things going so anything that you can donate um would be fantastic um again cillian the voice um she's gonna be here soon i'm excited to meet her find out more about her project and um unfortunately there are no shows to promote um, but if you are interested, um, I have been hearing uh, chatter about uh, socially distanced outdoor shows happening here in the Mission. Uh, for instance, the Midway um, San Francisco, I believe, is uh, hosting uh, some shows with Whitney Cummings. She's a relatively well-known comedian. I think she was at Clusterfest um, not that long ago. I think that was last year when I went. I didn't know that much about her until she interviewed Andrew Yang. And then I was like damn (laughs) I wanted to do that um but anyways I heard she's doing some sold out shows there at the midway uh what was the other one oh the other one was uh public works um which I also posted about if you're interested I went to a show there about a year ago for Halloween um I went to see uh no wave uh band ESG uh from the original you know New York scene I guess you could say um, you know, Lydia Lunch, I got to see her, James Chance, um, uh, all those great bands, you know, kind of from, from that era. And they eventually um, signed to fact- Factory Records, and they had that connection, you know, with the Manchester scene. Um, but it was, I'm just, I was just elated that I was able to interview Renee, um, as one of the founding members of ESG. Um, you can check my um uh, Instagram post um, from a couple weeks ago. So I think just during this time, I've been thinking about, you know, all the opportunities that I was able to kind of seize during regular times. And I'm guessing to most people it was kind of like, how do you, you know, how do you have the energy and the, the money and the, the time to do all of these things? So the reason why, me, that's why I can uh, safely say like mutiny is going to make it till 2021 again it's just kind of you know because I've been a part of mutiny for about uh, 10 almost 11 years now didn't get to celebrate my 10 year anniversary but maybe next year um, you know just kind of you know c- keeping at it giving what you can when you can and then other times you just kind of have to backtrack and you know, being away from the station for over half of a year, I, I just realized that, yeah, this um, this is really, you know, kind of an important part of, of who I am. So, wow, I'm just kind of ranting and, and raving tonight. But um, that's kind of the nice thing about being away for, <laughs> for more than a week. Because when I, uh, Crystal and I used to do the show together every week, it was kind of like, I don't know. There just wasn't much to, there wasn't much to say. And uh, we were always uh, just in general in life, we're just kind of going from, from, from place to place, Um, you know, kind of being on a schedule. So now it's like weird to come to the station and 
not be on a schedule and just kind of taking your time and not really like phased by anything so it just gives you um you know it just gives you that uh that opportunity to really think think about things and um where you want to go from there so for instance i've never actually had a chance to make a psa <laughs> for the show and i was listening to the ones that um i know a lot of or a few djs from uh mutiny uh, sometimes make their own uh, commercials or advertisements, if you will. I've never, ha I've never had a chance to do that. So now I'm like, okay, project. So I don't know about you guys, but some of the outstanding or projects, I guess you could say I achieved were uh, so far during the pandemic is cleaning my apartment, you know, like cleaning the bathroom, taking everything out of the closet and then putting it back in so you can actually find it. Uh, Swiffering my hardwood floor, washing the windows, uh, you know, folding my laundry. That's still kind of an impossibility um, considering my apartment is smaller than, actually, it's probably about the same size as the studio that I'm in now. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, um, I guess there's, there's certain positives, you know, um, now that I, I work for myself. Um, I'm a resume writer and career coach now. Um, I used to work for a staffing company, and before that I worked for different tech companies here in the Bay Area, and that's definitely been a transition in the making the past two years. Um, you know, did my best to kind of, uh, you know, stretch that out where I was doing both, you know, where I had that corporate job, and then I was kind of doing my own thing on the side and then because of everything that happened call me crazy but I had a weird sensation like a uh, October of last year I didn't think there was going to be a pandemic but I was definitely like uh something doesn't feel right about next year so just kind of ramped up making connections with people on LinkedIn the professional uh you know networking site I'm sure you guys have heard of it um, if you're not on there, definitely get on there ASAP. It's the best way to kind of, you know, build those connections, uh, you know, do those informational interviews if you're not sure what you're going to do next. But, you know, I've, I've learned a lot in the past year um, in terms of being able to use that platform and make money, you know, kind of be more independent in that way. So I've just been kind of putting that out there. Um, you know, people are still unpredictable, right, to a certain extent. So that's always a learning curve and trying to kind of plan and, and work around it. But I think I'm kind of at a good, a good place with that. Um, you know, there's always that uncertainty, too, when you work for yourself. You're like, hopefully the money's going to keep coming in. Yes, that money's still going to keep coming in, right? <laughs> that's always part of your plan. But uh, you just have to find find those leads wherever you can whenever you can so unfortunately it costs money to be able to do that so I've you know unfortunately or fortunately been able to do that as well but it's you know like I said work in progress I guess we're all works works in progress and I kind of missed the summer I know I'm, I'm going on another tangent but um it's uh it's kind of cold in here <laughs> Um, as you know, I was in Arizona for about three months. Every day, I kid you not, it was over 100 degrees. Um, there's there's some really great things about Arizona. The outdoors, um, 
you know, people are just, you know, I, I mean, I guess I've been there during COVID and before COVID, but um, it was just interesting to, you know, make uh, conversations with, with everyday people there and just the way, uh, the way people kind of ap approach each other. Um, you know, there's, there's going to be, you know, people off the beaten path and then there's going to be people who you kind of have a connection with. So I just thought it was, um, you know, it, it's not what I was expecting. I don't know what I expected because I'd never been to Arizona before my, my family moved there, but it's kind of growing on me, you know? Um, and then of course with the, with the election, if you saw that post about Pima, Pima County shaking that ass, um, meaning, um, you know, Maricopa and Pima County, um, made a big difference in flipping that state and flipping Arizona blue. Um, so as you might already know, my family lives in Pima County. So I just thought, oh, all the people who've migrated, who've, who've left California, not, not because they wanted to, or maybe because they wanted to, played a part in the election, as well as um, they were saying some of the uh, Latinx uh, communities and organizations that were really just fed up with everything that was going on um, also played an important part in the election flipping Arizona and Georgia blue whoop, 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 whoop. yeah so I was pretty uh pretty jazzed about it um again they still have to sort of certify the results so um call me premature but um I think just with everything that's going on it was just kind of like <sighs> finally some something good happening right something that we're all kind of contributing and playing our, our part in. And I just thought about, you know, ev everything that I did leading up to the election. So going to the, the women's marches, uh, you know, s since its inception, you know, posting on social media, whether people like it or don't like it, just kind of speaking truth to power, uh, you know, being upfront about, about what I believe, um, uh, what, what else? Phone banking um, for different candidates here in uh, San Francisco. Um, and also, you know, doing doing various uh, outreach, um, finding different ways of, of doing that sort of thing. So um, it's been kind of an interesting couple years, that's for sure. But um, yeah, if you guys want to get involved, um, I know that uh, Georgia has um, a couple uh, Senate races that are going to be decided in January. So I think that might be the next thing that um, we can all kind of get involved with. And um, yeah, and stay tuned uh, for more Mutiny Radio.
I'm so excited you're here. Thank you. I'm so sorry I didn't put my arm on, but I said I'm gonna bring it do in. Do you how do you put how do you put it on? Um, so actually <laughs> I have my mannequin. But basically this arm, this is my new arm, actually made by Tactical Cut. That's why I'm so awesome. This is so um so I put it actually on this arm. This arm always has the arm on yeah. and arm it. Uh-huh. This arm is the one that uh, what do you call it? It evolves. Uh-huh. I evolve each time. Gotcha. But it, I had a different arm on, so now we've evolved up to this arm. Oh, but wow. But it's still a work in progress. Cause, so they gave me the base, but I got to kind of metify it. It'll light up and everything. And so so cool. Yeah, I'm super But this is how I sing. This is actually how I sing. <laughs> All right. Shit I, on. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're much more interesting than most singers that I've seen here at Mutiny Radio. Because people, I mean, honestly, the Instagram thing is pretty new for me. But as you can see, I'm, I'm pretty dressed down today. But there were some times where it was like, well, we could have done the Instagram, but whatever, we'll do it next time. So now we're doing it. Yes. People can see, like, what the magic looks like. Me, f- you know, fumbling and throwing shit in the air and <laughs> talking shit because we're on the Internet. Like, yeah. I mean, as much as they try and control the Internet, and I know it's going to get worse over time. But, um, you know, we're, we're still here. And I was just saying, like, you know, Mutiny Radio is coming up on the 10-year anniversary. Yay. And it's just amazing, like, that we're still here. And we're excited to learn, you know, more about um, what you've been up to during the pandemic. And uh, have you been able to perform or write new material? Oh, man. Okay. So <laughs> this pandemic has been kicking the hell out of everybody. Like, yeah. start on it later (laughs) (laughs) but you know i'm just like you know what uh mm -hmm. so so. there's a lot of stuff (laughs) so much stuff but it sounds like you're kind of you know you're keeping it together you're you're doing the best that you can and those are those are the stories that you know inspire people especially you know right now they might be watching like hey like I'm feeling kind of down this weekend because I'm not able to do A, B, and C anymore. 
um, and I feel like doing doing this show is is more important than it was when I started. Because yeah. maybe you feel this way too. You c- we kind of took it for granted, like it's always going to be there. Uh, who cares if if we ever go back? Yeah. Um, you know, nobody cares what we're doing. <laughs> you know what? Actually, you know, and I thought about that. I did, especially since I'm so different. I thought about that, but um, you know, what we're doing is so important, and people do need it, and people are reaching out for it, and we cannot stop. I mean, because of that, we cannot stop. There was a thing where indie artists were, you know, trying to trying to pop up and do their thing and be seen. But now it's giving those of us that create a responsibility to, to like, the, you remember the way it was when you were a performer and you would have that argument, I'm not mentoring nobody, I'm not a, a role model. For I'm anybody. a diva say, or <laughs> machismo. Right. And I used to say that too. I'm not no damn role model. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a human being. But, uh, but we do have a responsibility to stand up for everybody else because we're seen more than everyone else is and people are not paying attention to how people see us. So we right. I agree with you. I've I went on a whole rant earlier. I was like, I did this and I do that because you know I used to do the show every week, so it was like oh, I don't need to update you guys. You're you already know. <laughs> but then when weeks go by and elections happen and you know riots and and protests oh, and man. women's rights, I mean there's just there's an endless supply of of topics. <laughs> yes, 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 and I need you know my thing is because my music so my thing is love and conflict mm-hmm. that's my whole thing so I some people look at me Shelly on and like um but you would acknowledge why in the world would you be for love and conflict well I'm like well think about it um I'm kind of a takeoff on Ghost in the Shell but not quite so oh. what I mean by think about it is technology was given to us to use for the betterment of, of humankind um but we've been abusing that certain people have been totally some people have been using it for good I represent that for good, but the message is always love, period. Now, when they look at my Facebook and stuff, they're like, but you write in labor, you talking about, love doesn't mean <laughs> lies. <laughs> love is truth. Love is all. You cannot take the bad and the good, like, you know, you can't take the good and leave out the bad. Mm-hmm. If you say love is all, that means love is everything. Yep. Love is all. Mm-hmm. And that means that we're supposed to share it with everyone. So... When I step out there and they hear my music, I release Systematic. Systematic is a song that I said I had to release right now because um, it's needed. And it was a, it's a song. Yeah, it's kind of about the system. That's why I call it Systematic. Yeah. But it's also an anthem to you are loved. Do not forget what you are at the base of your skin, at the base of your cells, at the base of your energy. You are loved, period. And you share that with everyone, or you don't share that with everyone. But the consequences you get, that's up to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we really got to be cognizant of why we're here, what we're doing, why we're doing it. And uh, don't even get, man, don't get me started. <laughs> I think I did. <laughs> but okay, I'm going I'm to approach it from this. Okay. People want to learn about Sally on Adventure. Woohoo. Uh, and I'm very opinionated. They know this on my Facebook, but um, <laughs> if you got a message and the message is love, you got to tell it like it is. You yep. got to keep it real. Yes. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on, and I call them distractions. So we have our elections. Yep. And, you know, people are getting mad because so and so won, so and so. At the end of the day, it really doesn't matter, but it does at yep. the same time. Mm-hmm. Both ends of the spectrum. 
Correct. And people don't seem to understand that, or they're they're. I heard a wonderful quote. Oh, I can't remember. It's Millennial Electric and it's a Republican. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't care what side you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love you or dislike you regardless, but I love you. So, um, but he, what he said was people are using politics as a religion, and they're hating people over a fake dogma. Mm-hmm. That's what people don't seem to understand. You yeah. can believe what you want to believe. Absolutely, that is our constitutional right. Do Amen. not <laughs> though have the right to tell someone else or what you believe is wrong. If you hate me, that is your choice to hate me for the color of my skin. Mm. I I can't change your mind, maybe. That's not my place to, maybe. Mm. That depends on our conversation that we're having, but that is your right to hate me if you want to hate me. Now, when you touch me, that's a totally different story. Yeah. But I can keep it moving because I love me enough to say, okay, that person does like me, that's fine. Peace to them. They can go on about their business. Their karma's not going to be on me. So... People are getting mad and walking around. This person hates this person. This that's not right. No, it's not right. But oh gosh. how you're fighting it is not right either. Yeah. And here's my bigger question. <laughs> Out of everything, <laughs> and I will say this. Here's my bigger question. Tell me. What is the real? Like, what is this distraction that they're trying to keep us really seen? You got the drama of the elections. You got the drama of the riots. You got the drama of the rapes. You got all this stuff. Mm. Right? Yeah. But I'm like, you know, you only have social overload when you're ultimately trying to cover something up. Yeah. That we don't see. And at the end of the day, because I was a teacher for a bit, mm-hmm. for 20 years, and at the end of the day, on the election, I was like, they're human. They're beings who got education. Mm. And educating the future is how we move forward. That's something I could do myself. And I would tell Reverend. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. I pay attention to what's not said. I look at everything that is said, and I look at all the attitudes and things. But I don't ever let that distract me from the real issue. I'm like, okay, that's nice. What's the real? What's what's the real thing that's keeping you from it? That's what I want to see. But people get mad. Some people get upset. Oh, you conspiracy? No, don't call me conspiracy theory. <laughs> Don't do that. Oh, my gosh. You know, don't, yeah. because I will give you the facts, but I'll have you look at it yourself. There you go. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, this this mess didn't have to be. <laughs> no, I I totally agree with you on that, and I appreciate your, your you know, how, you're not emotional about it, and you're not making it about yourself either. I just think there's a lot of – it's almost like the followers of Donald Trump are okay with him because he makes it all about him, and therefore – People who've always been about their inner, yeah. their inner way of dealing with the world. It's like, oh, he's doing it, so I'm going to do it too. <laughs> you know. But um. Yeah, it's but, the fear. You know, the fear. Yeah. It's the fear. Fear is a very strange motivator. Mm-hmm. But you know, even though love is all, in fear there is no love. Mm-hmm. Really. Um. When I sit up and I think about, because I had to when I made this character. And it's not really a character, but it's really a part of my personality. But when I made it and I created it, um, that was one of the things. I said, okay, what are we fighting against? What are we looking against? And why? Why? Fear was the number one thing. I'm mm. looking at this Trump. Because on my Facebook, I asked the supporters, without prejudice or anything, why do you support him? I want to know. Yeah. Why do you support him? And at first, I couldn't get one person. And then when I did, I was going off about this and that, yeah. about um, everything he's done and stuff. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself. I remember back in college, I learned, because I took psychology, studied psychology, 
and mm-hmm. I'm not groupthink. And what groupthink does. Yep. And that's why they say the society was stupid. Because in groupthink, you tend to think the way other people do. Mm-hmm. Instead of the way you do. Mm-hmm. To fit in. Well, honey, you see how I dress. I've never went to school. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so then yeah. I, I'm, and I was listening to what you were saying. Mm-hmm. They have lose everything else. Wow. And so that's why it got a hold of me. Like, I was watching that election, I'm like, this doesn't make any damn sense. Like, are you kidding me? What this man has said. And, he got know, COVID. And, I, and what he has done. But oh, wow. it's fear in making them hold on to it. Oh, I see. It's the fear of what they'll lose. It's, you know, he was pushing the racist agenda, but I understand yes. it as a black female. I understand it very, very well. Mm-hmm. And no one wants to be thrown away, and no one wants to be forgotten. But what they forget, no race can be forgotten or totally erased. None. Yep. And no one is trying to take your power away from you. You already have it. We're just trying to live. That's it. Amen. You know, don't yep. stop us from living and doing what we do, and we can all live peacefully. But that's what I'm seeing, and I'm starting to feel really, really sorry. I'm also starting to feel sorry for our government now. Because mm-hmm. government thinks they're stupid. We don't get stupid. Mm-hmm. We think. Yep. We live and we see. And we remember what happened here. I, they're arguing now and then it's really debating and see what's going on. The validity of it. <laughs> you know? Uh. I'm going to say that it's history. Mm-hmm. back to it really doesn't matter mm-hmm. what it matters is the agenda how it works for everyone else right how those that are really doing things see how it works for them how it really works right and then what changes do we need to tweak to make that's why i don't get upset or personal about it i just what is affecting my family what is affecting humankind to know what's coming down the pipe what we got coming down the pipe you know what i mean yes that's kind of what i feel about it absolutely and I, and i hope that you know, unfortunately, because of what's going on with COVID, that more people are willing to experience that. Um, you know, I definitely was. Um, 2016 was definitely a wake-up call for me as a as a white woman, um, thinking that we were ready for a woman to be president, and then being pretty much feeling, you know, taking it personally what happened. But instead of, like, complaining, I mean, I do my fair share of complaining on the air. Because it is my platform. (laughs) I can fucking say whatever I want. But thinking, okay, I can just talk about it every week and post about it on social media. Like, women are great. Like, what's wrong with you? We are. um, We are. (laughs) We are. But then, you know, I started learning about phone banking and volunteering and going to the women's marches and... You know, just kind of doing things that I was already thinking and believing, but doing it on a bigger scale, doing it publicly, and and uh, not taking it back, uh, even if people didn't understand. You know what? I'm glad you are. So let's get on top of the next thing. Yes. First of all, Kamala Harris um, is a beacon for all women. 
doesn't matter what color shoe it is. Yeah. Oh, my, we were waiting for a woman to get it. My body's shaking. All right. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And for all women. And there's one thing I've noticed that they're doing, uh, women, like for women, that it is, it's, it's really weird peripheral struggle. I'm going to call it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, can we move to a close? Because the advertisement. Have you gigged this before? Um, clothes and stuff like that? Like, I've seen, like, because we're all staying at home, or not everyone's staying at home, but the lucky few of us are staying at home. Right. Uh, comfy clothes, sweats. Now, <laughs> look at the high end clothes. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Look at the high end clothes. Have you tasted uh-huh. of that? Kind of. What era do they look like? 80s? Well, that close. Are you serious? Yes, ma'am. 70s? Can they keep laughing at me when I talk about this? Honey, <laughs> I, mean, I wish it was 70s. Um, <laughs> I'll be like, hey, we hit mine now. Wait, what are, what are we supposed to be wearing now? <laughs> they have, and they're gorgeous. They were gorgeous outfits. If you remember the outfits of the 50s, uh-huh. 40s, and 30s. My grandmother's and my great-grandmother's. Yes. Really? They're going to the high quality. That's when they're showing. Who says this? Really? Go on Facebook and look at the advertisement for the outfits. Okay, I'm going to look. Now, either you see the superstar. Okay, now I shouldn't even call it this, but I'm going to call it something. You see the superstar whole outfits where you have the hoodie out <laughs> and the booty showing. Right, okay. I've seen those. Where I'm trying to go. But... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Good for you. But with tapes, with tapes. And then you, but you have the other ones on the other end of the spectrum that are the higher end boutiques that are selling. What the I was sitting up here and I was handing right. I was sitting up here and I was not okay with this. this. I said, what is this? Ah, because it's like we're going, like with Trump, it was like we were going back to. 1968, and I was yes. telling people that I felt that way at a, at a prior job, actually. Yes. But I didn't have the bandwidth to think it once I left that job. I was like, wait, I was like everybody's secretary, wait. But it's 2018, not 1968. What the fuck? Well, remember, in his campaign, you have women speaking up for him that believe in asking their husbands, I wish, sorry, don't even get me started, I wish a man would have me try to ask him permission. Excuse me, I am a whole ass woman i'm not asking you permission to do nothing except right? for walk with me other than that no so <laughs> you know but i'm there for him though don't get me wrong it goes both ways but right. i'm there for him but uh-uh, i don't ask anybody because i'm grown and i know what i'm supposed to do and so when those women were mentioning that i didn't down them because that's how they're raised that's their right. you know, that's their thing their but culture yeah. don't push that on me that is not my choice Amen. People got to understand, you don't hand your will over to anyone. Will is something that we don't talk about a lot at all. Es- Choice and will. Especially for women. Yes. And it's not your right. You're not God. You're not. You birthed patience. Do you people understand how big that is? My mom used to tell me, that is the time you are closest to death. Mm. That is an honorable thing that women do. Honorable. Okay. And so, how dare anyone down that? We are intelligent. We create. We do a lot more things than other people think that we do. Right. But we don't give our will over. And this is for anybody. Women, man, children, do not 
give your rights to choose over. That's something you got to be willing to die for. That's the problem around here, right? Mm. They don't, they, I'm here. We, <laughs> We're sorry, here. because I'm a part of it. We, we like to do this thing where it's a flip side. So the past happened. You need to forgive me. Both sides, right? You can't forget to repeat. But we don't need a harp on it. We need to move forward. And everyone wants to sit down and be like, no, I, I need this person to do that. I don't need to do that. This person can go and do that. No. <laughs> no. Everybody has to do it. What happens to our ability to Exactly. JFK said it. Thank you. Maybe he was the last president to ever say it. And I've been researching who were the best presidents ever. Right. Um, know, it takes sacrifice. It does. I'm sorry. We can't sit comfortable. And now the way that our country is, yep. if we're going to rebuild anything, there is no sitting comfortable. There is having conversations about, okay, you don't like me. You tell me why you don't like me. But be open to hear why someone doesn't like you. When I was in college, um, I was in a co-ed fraternity. Alpha Phi Alpha. Oh. And I was eight. I was the only black female. And they were predominantly Asian, um, some Caucasian. Oh. But, and two of us were black. And I asked, no, actually, <laughs> they asked me, why do black people do this? And I didn't get mad. I didn't. Oh, because <laughs> I asked them, I said, you know what? I'd rather you come to me when you ask me instead personally. Of assuming. Instead of assuming. Stereotyping. I can fix the stereotype right. Correct. But a lot of us get mad. How dare you touch my hair? You don't need to know my... Then don't get an attitude when they're curious about it and they make assumptions because you had the chance to educate somebody. Yep. Yep. I had, an, I had an experience like that. I've, I've noticed this a lot with men in my life, whether they're straight or gay, mm -hmm. and they make a lot of assumptions about what women want right. <laughs> like that movie right. what do right. women want um i should actually watch that movie but i think it's important for us to say you know we have to say what we want otherwise i guess they're gonna right. assume that we all want this kind of lifestyle or you have to you, you have know? to be vocal you have to that leads to my um so recently i had a press release um it's given me as a businessman it's one of the best advice i ever got and i do have a um Oh, I want to watch it. Um, and yes, it's, it's getting ready to launch. Oh, um, and I'm going to give two weeks free um, during this time because people just need, and it's all about loving the authentic you. Yes. Loving who you really, really are. Period. Um, one of my biggest pet peeves, and I use this example all the time when I talk about it, one of my biggest pet peeves is when someone says, fuck you, you. And then you walk up, you're not supposed to say that. Stop making They That's didn't. how they were feeling. Let them feel that way and let them let it go. It's our society's way of judging the feeling. Mm. Like you have to assign, like assigning uh, her or him or yes. she and, and he. Yes. We didn't come up with that. No. But now we're changing the conversation on that, yes. right? So Yes. So you, you have to love you. That's the problem. We have to love ourselves to be able to walk up to an enemy. Okay, and say, what's the deal? Without being personal, without hurt. Personal, that person doesn't even know you. They're not being personal towards you unless they do. So why are you taking it personal? They're giving you information 
You just don't like the information. Yeah. But they're giving you the information. You got the chance to change the script. So change the freaking script. Let them know. No, this is how some people are. This is not how all of us are. Let me explain. Yep. And so that's what I do. And I, honey, I have grown up being a bully, being <laughs> called, oh my God, my lips are big. They're sexy now. But when <laughs> you're a kid, you know, when you're a kid, your face is small, but your lips are big. They, they used to call me Michelin Tiger. Yeah, I had a big you head too. I mean? mm-hmm. They used to call me all these names <laughs> until I went to high school and went to high school. Then I heard, oh, we didn't even know she could twerk. For real? Now, you know, I use those negativities to push me where I'm going, but I didn't forget. And I used to always say, I'm not going to forget. So when I'm doing my craft, I'm thinking of what I've been through, what people are going through, what people need to hear. Mm -hmm. And so when I make some of my music, some of my music are like has a purpose for that. Some of my music just relates to like, why can't you relates to breakups and, um, that kind of thing. And so let me get into that a little bit too because I can't take credit for being the only one that has shaped my music. So um, I create my music generally in this project. I create it with Luke. I cannot understand the mechanics of producing that stuff. Mad props to producers. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I take my music to my producer, Bill Williams, and he creates the masterpieces off of what I have. Mm-hmm. Um, case in point, as a woman, and Bill wasn't like this. It took me a long time to get to Luke. Yeah. And I knew I had to find someone who knew what they were doing and who who knew music to get me where I wanted to go. But um, I remember when I started all this, you know, some were like, you're weak. You don't know enough about this. Oh, women can't be producers. They would try to change my voice. Come on. That's, oh my gosh. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> I used to tell my students, I'm the most ghetto opera singer you would ever know. But, uh, <laughs> that could be a major selling point. <laughs> and so yeah. when I would go to producers, producers would tell me, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a nice voice, but I'm the one that really does it. Bill has never really? made me feel that way. He's like, no, this is your music. You tell me what you want. We're going to shape it. And he helps me from the lyrics to the ad libs because I don't, we're, we're, I'm an opera singer. I don't do all those ad libs they do in R&B. But I didn't want right. to sing R&B. Just because I was a black person. I wanted to be different. So, but, but that wall of nice voice and you really don't know what to do with it. I've been to showcases like that. I have wow. been to other, try to do other projects. Man, you're not the voice. You just don't know what to do with it. And I huh. find that in my acting also. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll look at me. Man, she's good. But we can't use her though, but she's good. Like I hmm. get that just, just later. But that's when I know that that opportunity is coming. But see, even in the arts and world as actors, there's a lot of prejudice there. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. that's why women and people went to the indie artist route. When I'm on Instagram and I'm seeing these EDM um, DJs that are women, oh my gosh, I'm doing my, my cheers. When mm-hmm. I'm sitting there and I'm seeing, mm-hmm. yes, <laughs> I, when I'm seeing the weightlifters, you know what I mean? Yes. The They're like 80 years old. Have you seen Honey, that one? Yes, that is, she is my inspiration. And so when I see these women weightlifters, I'm like, yes, baby, yes. And so because I'm doing it too. I'm trying to get yes. my sheep up on. So, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm celebrating because we are at a time and we don't realize we are. Anytime a group of people have to have something to push it down, that means someone saw that in you. Yeah. 
<laughs> we're getting the word out. Yes. We're, you yes. know. Yes, we are. Wonder Woman has been, has been my beacon the past few years. Honestly, I didn't know that much about her because um, I didn't grow up around that, whereas a lot of uh, boys and men that I knew were like Batman and, you know, yeah. like that was their their um what do you call it their hero that they yeah. could look up to but because of the films and yeah. just the the election and everything that happened i was like well if she's doing it i'm gonna be able to do it too <laughs> and i'm it, i don't know if you've experienced that but i'm like i'm 34 and i kind of wish i had this when i was like growing up but i but i didn't because i think even like in the 90s when i was 80s and 90s it was still like oh you're just a girl or you know, you, I mean, you might go far, but you're yeah. still just a girl. It's still that way everywhere. Yeah. It's still that. Now, in the South, it's a little different because we're raised to be that way, but Big Mama told us what was going to happen. Yes. Her word, you know, especially when Papa's not there, her word is everything. Mm-hmm. Um, here, like in the West, we're not so much like that. We're, we're more, you know, everyone equal stuff, but it's not. You have that underlining part. It's the same thing with the racism. You have this underlining thing. Yeah. I worried more when Obama was president than I did when Trump was president. Right. With Trump, I knew where I stood. Okay. I knew how I was felt about. Yeah. I was feeling it. I was, okay, you're, you're, you feel that way about me? Okay, I understand. With Obama, though, it was more of a suppression thing. Oh, yeah, we got a black president. We can't say I heard X, that. Y, and Z. Yeah. And so after him, that's why it crashed so bad, and that's why it's uh, crashing now. Right. Because now we got our voice back. Baby, no one ever took it from you. We've still it we've had it. There. <laughs> it was always there. But now what you felt because he gave you a chance to say, we knew. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you didn't think we, for real. It doesn't, and even Obama said it himself. He was like, just because I was the first black president doesn't mean that racism is now done and gone. He said it. Thank you. But the question is, why the impending racism, sexism, all that kind of stuff? What money is being made off of it? See, the thing is, with slavery, it was money. Yeah. Pure and simple. It was money. Correct. Okay, so now we have institutional racism, like slavery, for everybody. Mm-hmm. That's money. Even me. There you go. That's <laughs> money. But what I want to know is why, why? What is it you're trying to do? What liberties are you trying to take that were given to us? Because you're really trying to push this ticket, but we're not that stupid. We evolved quick. We're a bit faster. So, you know, I'm, I'm sitting up here and I'm like, mm, so when people start saying things, um, and I don't get a lot of my things. Um, I get some things when I'm out and, you know, people see me. I get some things. But I read energy and I can feel energy. Uh-huh. But what I try to do is I look at them. They can't hide from me. You <laughs> <laughs> put on your... Be- I put that behind <laughs> And I'm, I'm trying to figure out, okay, why? And I don't shut back. But if they shut back, then I know that's something you ain't getting through. Yeah. Something you've been through. That's how personal it is. And that's so funny that you, it's not funny, but that you say that because that's how I feel about Trump. It's like everything that he says he doesn't, that everybody else is doing, really saying something about himself. You know what, okay. Like, okay. what do you call Same it? Projection. is. Same go here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> We're going like there this. tonight. <laughs> I'm going to say it like this. If you look at him. Yeah. Because I liked him before he was president. Oh. I liked him business-wise. 
Oh, okay. Till I found out he had open face. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I look at him as a as a person, gotta understand something in the United States, particularly the United States, gotta understand something. Okay. He didn't turn this way overnight. He has always been this way. And people are forgetting that. Yeah. There are a lot of people who see because he never, and we were having a discussion about this, me and my friend. He never quits anything. He doesn't quit. So he'd rather go down with a ship before quitting. This is his personality. Yeah. He believe. Do you remember Breakfast at Tiffany's? I do. Audrey. <laughs> do you remember Love her. when um, RJ asked Paul's RJ? Uh huh. Is she or isn't she? He said, she is, she what? A real phony. <laughs> I do remember that. Remember that? Yeah. And he was like, a real phony? She believes all that bullshit that she's putting out, right? Yeah. He's a real phony. He <laughs> believes. He's been he's been fed. He's been given things. Oh, you're great. You're wonderful. You're. He, well, how else is somebody supposed to act that's been fed all that? Mm-hmm. He's a businessman. From day one, I said, he's going to treat this country like it's a business, period, because that's all he knows. Correct. You know what I'm saying? Yep. He knows how to lead in a certain aspect in telling others what to do. But if you don't do what I told you to do, you're out. I'm going to find someone else to do what I told you to do. <laughs> oh and people look behind him. I yeah. know this man was like this. Come on now. Don't act like all of a sudden you didn't know. They voted for him. <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, Maybe so now they sit up there, oh, he's making us look bad. Oh, yeah, that's what he does. Look at his show. They're friends. No different. <laughs> Come on, people. He's but, fired. <laughs> you know, right. And so, I mean, I feel bad from an aspect of all these people lying to him, but they created this monster. He didn't create it by himself. People around you always create you. It's a community. It's a community. A village. And they did it. And now some are trying to, because... And it has nothing to do with right or wrong. Some are turning because they got to think about their constituents and them being reelected. When the president is long and gone, you still have senators and things like that, and simply people that are serving and keep going on for Lord knows how long. So they have to think about their constituents and who's with them. Yep. You know what I mean? Yes. And they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. I get it. Principles are the same way as a school. It's the same, same game. And unfortunately, it has become a game. Where people's lives are involved. Right. And people are not thinking about that. They're just, when it comes down to the populace, oh, you're a conservative, you're a liberal. Only liberals do Stop lying. No, conservatives do it too. So you have middle. And <laughs> we're not monoliths. And no, I've, we're not. I've spent a lot of time, and maybe you have too, like explaining, like, I'm a. I'm a left-wing liberal, but I'm not going to burn, you know, somebody's house yes. to the ground because I don't believe in that. Yes. But that's what they, you know, but then yes. keep, they tr- keep trying to put you in a certain category. Box. Yep. See, and so that's why I walk yep. around with shit on because... <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can fuck with box. that. <laughs> when I'm on, well, see, that's really one of the reasons. Yeah. When I'm on stage, mm-hmm. you can't put me in a box. Right. They don't like the fact that they, I don't give a damn whether you like whether you can put me in a box or not. I'm not letting you put me in a box. There you go. When I, but the thing is, then they'll say, well, this is how we'll get you. We can't classify your music as this. And I am an indie artist. If I want to put it in EDM because it has those elements, I can do it. If I want to put it just in electronica because it has those elements, yeah. I can do that. If I put it in new, if I claim new age opera, I'm going to do that. But I can do whatever the hell I want to do with my creation because it's my creation. Yep. And I don't let them put me in a box. Now, it will, and I will 
people say this to other artists, because other artists know if you can't fit into that pop or that R&B or that rap or whatever, it does make it difficult. But if you create your content, you're seen. You explain it. Everyone I've had explain it to, girl, it, was, it got so bad. I had to make an <laughs> intro for my show because <laughs> some people can understand because when I step out, people's mouths drop like, what the hell is yeah. this? And by the end of the show, that's fucking awesome. Right? Oh, my God. Good. <laughs> you know, and I love it. I love it because it makes me have to have a conversation with my audience so that okay. they can connect with me. Yeah. I told you, I studied psychology in, in college. So everything I do has to deal with that. Because people got to come out their shell. They got to come out what they, you know, what they are. They got to be my, my LGBTQ community. I need my babies to yes. get their confidence and their love up. Mm-hmm. I have, I, um, I perform with the drag kids on Drag Broadway, my baby. Oh, nice. That's my family. That's my family. And I have learned so much from them. But one thing I have noticed in performing in my, I call my alphabet community. I hope that doesn't offend anybody, but that's what I call it. So I don't miss anyone. Um, <laughs> when I perform in my family, um, I see so much, like, just low self-esteem and no confidence. And I'm like, no, no, because you're stepping out different than what people expect you to be. Yeah. You cannot, you can, you have to have that love for and I want to see them so much stronger than what they are. They they support me, and Sally on the Voice loves them. And I, but I need them. You know, I'm, I'm raising them up too with everybody else. But I need them <laughs> to put that love hat on. I need them to put that heart and that, oh. that gusto in, and be like, I'm standing and I'm strong and I'm here. Okay, okay, baby, we got this. You know what I mean? We've got it. We got this. From the kids and the teenagers, people are not listening to our youth, but if you. Right. We got um. We have this COVID. Y'all see this COVID thing? Yeah. We have this COVID thing going on. Karen Keys. There was a six-year-old autistic kid who called it. Mm. Who called it? Mm-hmm. What it is? Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm like, and I asked the question. I said, "It's funny. It's cold weather. Transitional seasons is wonderful for kids. But how many are really COVID? And how many are from COVID? Oh gosh. And this happened." This happened earlier this year with mm-hmm. the change of the season. You see it every time with the change of the season. Yep. And now they're shutting everything else down. Now I understand. We don't want to spread it. I get it. Now we're going to be going back into a wave of depression. We have seasonal depression going on because winter's coming. Yeah. And so the sun is not going to be out. They're not going to be feeling it. And there's going to be even more people depressed. And I'm like, you know, they really know how to play with us. They really do. <laughs> they're I'm, manipulating us. I'm telling you. But if Kind of like the water off a duck's back. Uh huh. It doesn't mean it don't hurt you. Oh, it hurts you, but you can move forward. You can push it through. Um, as a teacher, I was just, I was a gen ed teacher, and I look, I just explained it. I can be teachers too. We can always be teachers. Oh well. But one thing, I didn't <laughs> but but you I never know. One. That's true. That's true. I'm waiting on that. So the one thing um, I noticed from from them, my my kids, I've taught all. Urban kids, all different ages, mm-hmm. and um, I've learned from them. They would call, they would come to me, and they would tell me, "Grandma, why do you like Sally on the Voice so much?" 
I've had to go and that's when she sees I got I've had different experiences with kids. Um one of the reasons why also I can tell you my son is because I want her to feel safe. Oh, and wow. I want her to be you know, I want her to know I didn't forget about her. Mm-hmm. That's my I check her to make sure that I find her safe. So when I um my thing was when we when kids are in my classroom, they know that their parents know that someone's baby. And that's I'm bringing that up because I want us to understand as we're rioting and shooting and killing and yelling at somebody, tell your parents. Right? You gotta think about that. Yeah. We have something in common, we just haven't found it yet. Right. You know? But we have. We might lose it. Really? And that's the love. The love. See, I have this this saying, Celion and I have this saying here. Everybody wants to love. They actually want to be loved. But they don't even know how to love. Very big thing. Compassion is the one that has no love. Love does. If people are harming folks, say for example you break into somebody, you go to start their car, you do nothing. I don't mean to laugh. Not to laugh, self. But it <laughs> That's not love, really. What motivated them to do that? My my hurting heart. Right. It's all love is all. You cannot say it's not all, and you just choose the good stuff. That's compassion don't know how to give somebody. Mm-hmm. They don't even know how to give love. They don't know how to give love to themselves. And people are like, why do you talk about love so much? But because people don't understand it. Mm-hmm. If they understood it, they give it. If they understood it, even if they hated someone, they'd be able to see that the hate that they have is because of something that's in them, not that other person. That why they're hating them is a stupid reason and they're spending energy they don't need to spend. And so... For me, on my Facebook, my Instagram, when they hear me talk about love, but they see me angry, yeah, that doesn't mean I don't love somebody. I can love somebody for I, I like them. <laughs> but I'm a Gemini, Gemini do that. So, <laughs> you know, but I can't stress enough what love is. Everybody. Everybody. If everybody gave the love that no one would suffer. No one would suffer. We all have. My bank account right now. Right, honey. <laughs> Negative what? Yeah. Oh, I've been artist, there. I've been know, there too. Because I'm an artist. I mean, you know, but helping out goes a long way. A long way. And that good energy always, always. But you don't do it for that reason. You do it because it's the right thing to do and it helps society and we pay it forward violently. Yep. And people can do that right now. I started donating to the Red Cross when the fires started. 
But then after I got laid off and started my own business, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this like every month. Like, mm-hmm. I think I can afford, you know, mm-hmm. this small amount because I want to help, you know, people in my community or wherever there's, you know, a natural disaster in the United States because it's kind of a recurring thing. Um, but yeah, that, that was a big switch for me because up until then I was like, I can't afford it or do they, um, do I want to do it? You know, just questioning my motivation. But then I was like, you know what? I just see a lot of people like hoarding and like you were saying, not giving love or not, you know, willing to sacrifice or compromise, if you will. So I was like, this is my small way of doing that. Um, no, no. See, I'm not calling you out <laughs> because you were given before, right? Um, here and there. Okay, so let me ask you this question. Yeah. And money's needed. Don't get me wrong. Money is needed. It's not evil. Yeah. It's just what it is. But, um, isn't this what you're doing helping more than the money that you're giving? Probably, yes. All right, then. So you're still here. There you go. <laughs> uh, why am I still here? <laughs> See, this but, is why people talk to me. But yeah, <laughs> but it's, you know. but it's true. I think like we were saying earlier, I was like, why am I, or maybe I was telling him, like, why am I even... Like, why am I still doing this? You know, because I wasn't here for for six months, and then I was like, I need I needed to come back because I was like, this is part of it's become part of who I am, and I feel I felt like something was missing when I wasn't doing it. You know. See, yeah. What you're meant to do will call you and will find you. Oh, I forgot who said there was a friend of mine who told me mm-hmm. there was a a speaker I cannot remember her name, mm-hmm. but she had said whatever's meant for you will not come. And sometimes when we need to be doing something that helps other people, yeah, we will lose. <laughs> and I can't tell you how many times I've been a damn teacher and then had to leave by June, right? But then oh. every time I leave, what I want to do starts coming up. Well, this is my mission. My music is my mission. Um, that, my self-help series is my mission. My film and TV and me creating my own projects, those are my missions to let people know what is possible for them. I don't just do it because when I was growing up and I was singing it, people had to help me and my mom. So I pay it forward with what I do. I, all, everything that people invested in me have ha- taken my voice lessons and my acting lessons. and I didn't do all that by myself. I was not a rich kid growing up. And mm-hmm. my mom didn't have all that kind of money. Right. But I pay it back by what people invested in me to do. I pay it back what I do. That's amazing. You know, and they'll be like, well, And like you were saying, it says more about how they feel about themselves, that whole projection topic that we, because that's all I've been hearing. I just, I hear projection left and right, but I don't see any action. I don't see any progression in our society. When you project, you are totally deflecting off of you. Correct. Because of everything. (laughs) There's a lot of this going on. No, your head is out there. But I'm not letting you see nothing else for me. The mouthpiece. The mouthpiece. That's it. Right? It's Ugh. fear. They have been so good at instilling fear in everyone. But if they step out just a little bit, they will see there's no barrier to get through. There's no one to be afraid of. Now, it's like, well, what about the people with guns and stuff? I said sacrifice. What about the military? 
or we're free because of it. So what about the sacrifices? They, there's someone somewhere always giving that sacrifice. Yeah. You can't keep pushing it off on other people. One day it will take sacrifice. I forgot what school shooting. This one touches so hard. Wow. Uh, I forgot the school shooting. It was a teenager who wanted to be a Marine. Gave his life. I said, now if a child can do it, what in the hell is wrong with adults? Seriously. Making excuses. Seriously. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No. It's sacrifice. And when we make those choices, we just got to be strong enough to take the consequences. Yeah. That's the hard part, right? That's, that's the hard part. That's growing up. Thank you. <laughs> we, I'm sorry. We can't all be Peter Pan. And if people really paid attention to Peter Pan, that wasn't a very good story. <laughs> I've met some in my own life, <laughs> mostly male. Right, right. right. So I'm sure there's some women out there, but most of them I've met have been men, and I'm just like. That's a whole. Uh, that's a that's a Michael Jackson <laughs> kind of conversation. A, that's just the not understanding. Yeah. Type of thing and power struggle, and it's not supposed to be a power struggle. Right. It's really not. It's supposed to be a, a mutual understanding yeah. between each other. You know, it's supposed to be that, and if. We are two different beings that see two different things. We are their emotions. Because they feel emotions. They don't know you. But they will never show you. Yeah. But we know how to siphon them out. Except for the ones that are taught emotions to protect them. Then, they are the ones that are illogical. Problem with me, I'm a Gemini. We're born logical. So men have a hard time with me. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, well, that's just kind of how I am. Sorry. But I'm, I'm, I laugh because I'm the type of person, once you meet me, you never forget. You oh. never forget who I am. Yep. Um, <laughs> my crazy self. Um, I'll never forget you. But, <laughs> but I love it, though, because, you know, I just look at life and I see all the potential. That's awesome. We need more of that. We do. But we got to know. We have to know. We have to know we got it. And we can move forward, but quit pointing them damn fingers. There you go. Quit pointing them. There's no point. Give us a solution. I'm use your. Point being everybody hates. I'm like, uh-huh. Okay, you said all that. We spent 15 minutes discussing the problem. Can we get the solution now? Because you're wasting time. You're throwing blood. So. <laughs> Let's keep it, keep it moving. You know, that's it. Speaking of keeping it moving, uh, what's what song should we play? Um, I believe you said you had music on YouTube. Yes, I do. Okay. Let's do um, what I can I find. want to play systematic. Systematic is the one that. It speaks to everyone, mm-hmm. and it is an anthem for everyone saying who they are. So in the bridge part of the song, or the rap part of the song, when people sing along, I made it in the I form, first person form, because when they sing along, I want them knowing this is what they're saying that they are. Mm-hmm. But it's letting them and telling them so that they understand and they recognize someone understands and knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. I want you to know what's going on. So not Celine Dion though. No. But I love her. <laughs> oh wait. <laughs> it's somebody it's a different show. It's called yeah. The Voice Masterpiece. Am I that old that I don't know what that is? Play. Is that yeah. awesome. Let's play it.
can't end. It must go on. I ate my own Oreo. <laughs> and um, uh, how, how recent is that particular project? Is that one that you've worked on recently? This song, so systematic, um, I created it actually in 2015. Okay. And it took me a while to sell it. It was actually a piece that had no words. I couldn't figure out what to do with it. Um, until someone said, that's nice, but I need you to put words to that. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I released it this June. Um, Bill helped me sort it out. When I, bless Bill, right? When I build, bring Bill stuff, I think he must be thinking, what in the world? Because it, it seemed like it was easy, um, an easy chorus. No, it wasn't. I don't ever put anything to it. And so he had, <laughs> he had to It's a project it. yes, in the literal sense. <laughs> so he had to help me shape it. And he's like, no, music form goes like this. I'm like, okay, well, I want it a little different. Okay, well, we can do it this way. And so he gives me the order to my chaos that I, that I need. And if you want to find out more information about Bill, go yep. to my website. You can go to my music. Mm-hmm. I think he is watching us. Yeah, so, I was like, um, who's Bill Williams? Who's yes, William yes. Williams? That's my guy. That's my guy. That's my guy. Do I know him? He really helps me make the masterpiece. That's great. And if something doesn't work, and he'll listen to me. So if something doesn't work, he'll be like, okay. <laughs> and the other thing, um, he's, just, he's just brilliant. He's just brilliant. But I've noticed in a lot of people on my team that I've had to find that are brilliant have taken like five years for him to find. So it took yeah. me five years to find him. It took me whew, five years to find my PR person. So it, it's taken a while for people to find the right people. Um, but Celion, um, she is a comic book. She, but she's she's my spirit. She's the other side of my spirit. And Celion comes from a future time has come back basically to warn humankind what they need to do so it doesn't come back to the future. Because in future time, we have no humans. We're very few people. Very barren. But we couldn't do it this way. Yeah, right. You know, and so, so she's come back. Nice. What are your, are you inspired by any films about the future that are actually happening yeah. now? <laughs> um, actually, one of my biggest, I'm, uh, okay. Ghost in the Shell. See, I love everything. Ghost in the Shell. But Ghost in the Shell for me, Ghost in the Shell for me is it. Okay. But I'm talking about the original. Okay. Um, Akira is one of those for me. When Aaliyah came out, I was super excited. Um, but I like the old animes. You know what I mean? Because Japanese animation and Japanese literature and the comic books and the manga and stuff like that, they tell a psychological story uh-huh. that I love and I can feel my feelings in. Um, one of my other storylines I love, I love um, Lady Youngblood. Mm-hmm. I love Samurai Executioner. Like those things. Uh-huh. I really like Lone Wolf Club. Yeah, my friend was like, yeah. Like, <laughs> I, um, those resonate deeply with me. So when I heard Ghost in the Shell, um, another big feat that Bill did, and it was a labor of love, he was kind of mad at me because I covered a song. He's like, why didn't you just do your own? Like, I will, I will. But I love this song so much that I have to cover this song. So... Um, I haven't released it yet because I want to wait because I want to release it correctly. Mm-hmm. But I remade in a universe from Ghost in the Shell. Oh, wow. Um, that Aaliyah. And I remade it in Russian, the African language. Whoa. And so, yeah. As an opera singer, you sing different languages. And so it would be like me making it in all English and someone like that knows I'm an opera singer. Like, why did you do that? You know you can sing Russian. What's wrong with you? 
Yeah, right. It was hard. <laughs> but I had to I had to break down each word, word by word, pronunciation, everything. But it was so awesome to put in that space for a song. And I just love it. And we made it where we honored her, but it was our site. Right. It was different enough. And maybe one day I'll be able to shop it to um if they make another grocery store, I can shop it because I have to do my shopping for Petco for my degree. Yeah. But I love my song, so I'm being kind of yeah, I know they'll don't get into that. But I, <laughs> but I love the song, so I'm like, mm, I gotta see. Yeah. I guess it's <laughs> but, good um, to put it out there, right? Because you is. never know. It is. But but um he was celebrating when I bought him finally a regular phone that he could really do. <laughs> like in the dance in the dance house music so I have a song like that that's coming out um that's an ode to Papa Lego that's part of my culture some people may be angry because um usually when you hear about Papa Legua, you hear you know African drums and you and there's some of that in there but you hear um chants and things like that well for me my relationship with Papa is Papa was like voodoo music your way I you know you don't do voodoo music so do it as an ode to me your way so that song is called Papa Song, mm-hmm. and it's um, but it's an ode to him and what he's done for me. Mm-hmm. That's my own personal. I'm a spiritual person. I'm not a religious person. So I believe that all different spiritualities have it. Wow. Sounds like an animal. It does sound like an animal. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot confirm. Look at that. Look at that. I'm calling the animals to spirit. So it's like somebody's or ghost. Um, <laughs> right, right. I don't know if you believe in that sort of thing, but it's trying to tell us something. Oh, absolutely. Where um where can people find out more about you online? Is there like the best social media site or website? Um, Instagram, uh, of course, it was pushes Instagram. Um, my website www.celiamvoice. Let me spell Celia for you. C E L I A N E, the voice dot com. Um, yep. Facebook, um, it's Celion W M L, so weapon of mass love. That's what I call it. Yes. <laughs> And people that join love my it. camp, the Love Warrior Nation. That's part of the Love Warrior. They're the Love Warriors. Okay. Um, and I'm on Twitter, but I try not to do too much on that. Mm-hmm. So I'm on Twitter, um, SoundCloud, Bandcamp, Sally on the Voice, different places. If you Google me, um, you will find me. <laughs> I guarantee you. Silly on. Just make sure it's not Celine. Right. Silly on. and what I do, but nothing beats when I'm there live, um, you know, talking to people and, and interacting, but, you know, it was funny, someone asked my PR person, can she come into an Urkel concert? It's like, mm, now she's kind of something you gotta see live. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, you I've know? been doing, you know, a lot of these, and then yeah. I was watching, like, a women's conference or yeah. for equal rights advocates, and I did it in person last year, and it was it was great to see people online, but it's so impersonal, right? It's like you're not you're not really in it. You're not participating and you know meeting Val- Valerie Jarrett, who's you know really important uh, woman in in the political sphere. She's um, in Obama's cabinet, um, but you know it's just kind of I don't know. I agree with you. It's just not the same. It's it's not the same, and I feel bad for all of us performing that way. I mean, it's, keep saying it. I get it. But it's just not the same experience for me because I'm a different type of performer. You won't, it'll look 
more like a live video yeah. than it will like a show. And, and you can watch videos because everyone has a right. YouTube or uh, IGTV or whatever. Right. So I will admit, though, when Drunk Draft Broadway did and we did a fundraiser, it was pretty damn awesome on, on Twitch. I have to admit that. It was, it was Twitch. Awesome. But um, <laughs> I know. I know. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a gamer. Um, I've been kind of scared, though, because some of these games are super cheap. But um, my big kick right now is the new Spider-Man video game. Oh, fun. I'm watching uh, gameplay because Corey Kenton is one of my favorite, um, favorite YouTubers. Corey Kenton and Poise and Dashy and some of the other ones in their crew. And so I actually watch them before I do a show. I have a, a routine oh, wow. where I have to watch my video gamers before I do a show because I need to calm down. They make me laugh and they get me in the mo- my tech mood because it's a whole <laughs> video game thing. And uh, I was watching Corey Kenshin's gameplay of Spider-Man. And I was so pumped at how Spider-Man Miles Morales looked. I have been pushing that on Facebook. <laughs> I've been telling you, you gotta see the gameplay. If you don't get the game, you gotta see the gameplay. <laughs> you gotta <laughs> see it to believe it. You gotta see it to believe it. It's so awesome. I'm sorry. Some of the video no, games that are coming out are just amazing. And I'm a PS person. Hush, you Xbox people. <laughs> I'm sorry, I started on PS. I cannot get that freaking hand thing. I, I play can't. I play games on that phone. I know that's right. See, that's it. That's okay. You play games. And so anyone who downs video games, I'm like, look, it teaches strategy. Hush. I it learned Crash Bandicoot because Crash Bandicoot is my that's my baby. I've been playing since the first one. That's my baby. And I'm looking at the PS5 and the graphics, and I'm like, I must truly be old because I remember when graphics were like eight bit. Mortal Kombat. And I remember when they couldn't get hair right to save my life, and the skin was too shiny, and the movements—you see the outline of the like the leg would move, but you still see the outline of the the. You know what I'm saying? It just moving, and I'm like, oh my gosh! And so when I'm looking at the PS5, the graphics, yeah, because my dream is to perform for those those uh, the Comic Con conventions and for the. It's like it's I can't amazing. even keep up with it. No, <laughs> it's amazing. And so I was fast. Like so proud. So proud. You know what I mean? I'm, yes. I'm glad to see Sony's still around, Xbox still around, Nintendo's still around. I'm like super, I just really need to watch Corey Kenshin. But other than that, <laughs> I, you know, I went, they, see, but they trying to still bring the console back. I'm like, you really go. So, Nintendo you know, Switch. Just, go, just go. Let's die. So, <laughs> you know, but I, I just, I love it. There are certain YouTubers that I watch um, over and over again, from the comics to the to um, that Dragon Ball Z parody. Yes. All of that kind of stuff. So oh I'm, I'm that type of person. But soon for the next project, I think I will be making video games where I can really utilize my operating system. Yes. Um, because just some of it is so, like, um, my family, they love, what is it? They love My Hero Academia. Oh, my God. But I'm going to say this about My Hero Academia. This is how you get me for an anime, the music. 
mm-hmm. and they have some of the best freaking music out there for an anime. I'm like, oh my, I'm the type of person when I go to the movies, I'm sitting up there listening to the credits because I'm listening to the music. Right. Harry Potter for me, Harry Potter 3 has some of the best freaking cinematic music ever. Transformers. I'll have to watch it again. Best, mm-hmm. The best music, just the score. It's, it's true, right? Because it kind of sets a like a precedent for yeah. the film itself. It does. It's the emotion behind that music. I love Spirit because Spirit was not done on any real instruments. It was all done on acoustic. Oh wow! Um, and when I listen to but to hear it and to hear how striking it is, it's like whoa, that's so you can imagine the kind of conversation you and Billy had. Yes. <laughs> Very thought provoking. And sometimes I hate when I ask them certain things. I would love a song, and I'm like, "Bill, I really love a song." Bill look at me like, "That's not real." No, so, <laughs> not even gonna go there. Forget, forget about like, it. I shot down. I'm like, forget it, Bill. I'm not saying that. But, <laughs> but, um, but just right now, what my advice would be: if you're really down and you're feeling depressed and everything, find music, find things that give you hope and strength and music. Video game will do that. Try not to live in it, but if video games do that, do something positive for yourself that helps you. Mm-hmm. You can communicate with folks, and you know, community. Some of them you got to be careful because some of them are kind of bad. Um, but you can communicate with people. You can um, have uh, your little clicks and things like that, positive ones. Um, but listen to music. Let the music uplift you. Listen, to, look at movies that uplift you. Mm-hmm. Talk to people, even if it's a Zoom group that you're talking to, or go out and talk to somebody that will help you feel better right. about you because there's nothing wrong with you. Nothing is wrong with you. No, nothing's um, wrong with us. As a person, you just need some help right now. Find it. Yes, we all need help. We can't all do it alone, as much as I wanted to believe that up until recently. Nope. But, uh, nope. <laughs> Guess what? I'm human. We're not made that way. I'm not a robot as much as I want to be like a robotic arm sometimes. I know, that's right. <laughs> we're not made that way. We're, we're made to, to collaborate with everybody else. We really, really are. And those that want to be robots,